to be in church today. I want to take a moment. I want to greet all of our locations in Cortland, Corning, Binghamton, and then I want to take a second. I want to greet everyone who's joining us from Lakes Church and Auburn. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together? Make everybody feel welcome. Make them feel loved. It's so good to be with you today. I want you to take it, turn to your neighbor, tell them we're almost there. It's day number 15 of 21 days of prayer. There's only a few days left. We meet every morning at 7 a.m. at every one of our locations. I want to make sure to invite you out for these last week of prayer. We had a great time in prayer one today. And I know that God wants to do something in our lives. I've been praying for you all week long. So I want you to look right at me. I'm going to look right at you. And I want you to hear this that I love you, I've been praying for you, and I believe it, that God is gonna do something in your life. I've touched every seat at the Binghamton location, and I've been praying over every other seat at every one of the other locations. So I'm, I asked you last week to set aside some time, change your schedule, 
ask you to come out and be a part of this as a sacred season of prayer as we devote some things to the Lord. And y'all did it this week. You came out like record numbers in our prayer times in the morning. So I'm super proud of you. It's so great to see everyone in prayer every day. And I'm proud of this church. I believe it that what we're doing today, we're going to see souls later on. We're getting ready to walk into a season of harvest. And, and what's happening is we're making a difference. We say that Two Rivers, you win the war in the supernatural and you'll see the results in the natural. Well, this Saturday, we're walking, we're going to close everything out for our 21 days of prayer with the Freedom Conference. And I want to encourage you to go to tworivers.church, click the Freedom Conference link, get your seat. If you don't have it already, those seats are filling up and they're going to run right out. So make sure to secure your spot. Well, we are talking about right now in this series, I want to take what is in you already and I want to draw it out of you. That actually God has put some DNA in every believer when he created you. He created you with some things that sometimes they got to be called up and they got to be called out. And I want to help you step into what God's created you for. Last week, we talked about getting our dream back, that we got to dream again. That not only does God want us to dream, but he wants us to dream bigger. That some of us, we've been disappointed, we've been denied, we've had things delayed, and, and it's, it's caused us to lose our dream. But we learned that he's created us with a dr bigger dream capacity than most people are willing to believe for, and it's our DNA as believers to have dreams, because dreams are what faith is made of. You can't have faith without a God dream. And once you have that dream, then you can put it into action. Without the dream, you'll not find the future that God has in store for your life. Well, today I want us to talk about this, that we have a mission as a church. And I'm going to try to put together our mission with what I want to talk about today. So our mission is we exist to transform the world, everyone together, by leading people to Jesus. Now, I want to talk about this word transformation for a couple moments. It says in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 12, your people, this is talking about us, your people will what? We'll rebuild the ancient ruins. We're going to raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. This is talking about a spiritual restoration. But it's also talking about the fact that when you're restored spiritually, actually what's going to happen around you, there'll be physical restoration. Not only in your body through healing, but that we are going to change the communities that we exist in. And in Isaiah, Jesus, when he gets up, he begins to declare this passage right here. He says in Isaiah 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord's on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, that there's actually restoration for those who are poor, poor of spirit, poor financially. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness 
for the prisoners. That actually, there's a justice thing. There's a captivity thing that we're spiritually slaves. But because we're spiritually slaves, we also became physically slaves. And that Jesus is going to come free the slaves. He's going to set us and change us. And then he's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them, this is what Jesus is trying to do to us. He's trying to bestow on us the crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness. Turn to your neighbor, call them an oak. Some of y'all are just loving that right now. All the ladies, like, you call me what? What do you call me? You're an oak of righteousness. That's like a love poem from Jesus. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That actually God's going to do something in your life that's so solid and so firm that it's going to reveal his splendor. That people are going to see the change in you and it's going to bring glory to him. Then they, that's talking about after you've been made an oak of righteousness, after you've been changed so much that he's going to give you oil of joy, he's going, he's going to change you from mourning into laughter. He's going to do all those things. He's going to change your whole affect. Like you had ashes, I'm giving you something good to wear. And then, and then what's going to happen is they, that's us, after all that supernatural transformation, then what's going to happen? They're going to rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And they'll renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. How many have driven around their city? And you've looked at the town around you and said, hey, this town could use a little restoration. How many in your own house would say, my, my house could use a little restoration? Like, you know, I need, I need some of that in my house. I need some of that. I drive around, I see churches right now all over the state that are drying up and dying up. People are buying them and turning them into their living rooms. And, and when I drive around, I begin to see, I begin to, this verse is planted in my spirit. That when God comes, he's going to change my life so radically that the things that are broken are going to be rebuilt. The things that are decayed are going to be restored. There's going to be a renewal spirit that's on my life. That the closer I get to Jesus, the more I get into Jesus' orientation, the more the stuff in me changes, but not only do I change, the stuff around me begins to change. The ruined cities that have been devastated for generations have got to begin to shift. That means there's generational poverty that's got to get broken. Strangers are going to shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. That means you're going to be rich. That's what it means. You ain't doing the work. Somebody else is doing the work for you. And then you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You'll feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches, you will boast. Isaiah 61, verse 7. It says, instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. Like, I'm not just getting one, I'm getting two. Instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice 
in your inheritance. And so you'll inherit, what are you going to get, everybody? We're going to get a, it's a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Now that sounds to me like a great destination. How many are like, yeah, that sounds pretty good, Jesus. I like that. We're going to rebuild some things. We're going to get changed up. We're going to have some things shifted in us. I, how, how many would like that to be your current reality? Just slip your hand up like, okay, I, I want that. It's about 50% of you. The rest don't love Jesus at all. That's okay. It's all good. We'll get you there by the end of the day. So, so my question to you is, what's standing in the way of what we just read? What's standing in the way of it? And I think part of that, part of the answer to that question is that we struggle to imagine how to get from what we see around us to what God says. That we just, we, we have this, this is what the Word says, and this is what's happening in my life. And how do I get from what's happening in my life to what the Word says? And I believe it that what God wants to do is to begin to develop our imagination. So today, if you got your notes, I want you to write this down on the note paper. They should have given the note paper out at every location. If they didn't give that out, you just slip your hand up. The ushers are going to come. They're going to make sure to get that note paper out to you. They're going to be doing that here. So, so write this down. Turn on your imagination. Now, imagination is what takes us beyond the things that exist. Like, here's what I see. Here's all the reality that's around me. I can touch it. I can taste it. I can feel it. I can smell it. I can see it. But imagination takes us into the realm of what can be. Imagination is needed in order to build something that doesn't exist. Imagination is what's needed when you come up to an obstacle. It's what helps you to overcome the obstacle. Imagination has power. It, there's, there's negative imaginations, and there's positive imaginations, creative imagination. Both of them have powerful influence in our lives. And God wants to, you to begin to tap in to your creative imagination to solve some of the biggest obstacles, the biggest dilemmas, and the limitations that you're facing today. These things that you are saying, hey, this is stopping me, God's actually put DNA in you, his DNA, that'll cause you to have the answer to the thing that's keeping you limited right now. When I first came to Binghamton about 10 years ago, God had put this dream in my heart that we were going to plant a church that was going to plant other churches. He, he gave me this vision of a church that would start in Binghamton and it would plant churches that would plant other churches. And what I had was this, this idea that if that was going to happen, then something in Binghamton had to shift. That people, when I talked about Binghamton, they'd all say, Binghamton's a hard place. You, the Northeast, that's where church planters go to die. New York State, that's the most unchurched state in America. New York State, that's one of the most difficult places that you can be. 
Why are you going to go to New York? Shouldn't you go to Florida? Shouldn't you go to places that are growing? Shouldn't you go to places that are multiplying financially? When I moved to Binghamton, people would ask me, like, why did you come here? What's wrong with you? And what they're saying is, this is a hard place. There's, there's 40 years of continuous recession. Why would God send me to the city of 40 years of continuous recession if this was going to be the church that was going to multiply out all over the Northeast? And so I got here, I wrote this launch plan, and I had to take my launch plan to the sectional presbyter. He had to sign off on whether or not we were allowed to plant a church with the Assemblies of God. And my sectional presbyter laughed at me. Because I said, I'm trying to launch a church on day one with 400 people in attendance. He said, if, if you launch with 400 people, you'll be the next superintendent in New York State. In other words, you ain't going to do that, young fella. That ain't happening. There's no way. And then I had to take it to the church planting director. And the church planning director said, why don't we just dream a little smaller? He was a little worried that if I didn't see those numbers that, that I was going to quit and give up because I'd be too discouraged. And I like to say it like this. Sometimes uh, some people got it twisted up. They like to see it the other way. But I say it this way. You shoot for the stars because you just might reach the moon. I've heard people say shoot for the moon because you might reach the stars. But the stars are a lot better. Like, let's shoot for the stars, and then, and then we might just reach the moon. Inside of that, what I'm trying to say is that God planted in me this imagination that said, even though there's some things that are hard, even though there's some things around me that other people can't see, God put something in me, an, an imagination that I could see us multiplying. I could see us as a church with 400 people on our opening Sunday. I could see us reaching the lost. I could see it in my mind. And if I could see it in my mind, then I could get it down on paper and have a plan on how to execute the vision of the imagination of what God placed in my heart. And so I encountered obstacles all along the way. And what I discovered was, why did God send us to Binghamton? Because I needed to see when there was an obstacle that God would give me a vision or a dream or an imagination that would help us to overcome it. That we would actually take the hard places, the overlooked places, the underdogs, the people that no one else would thought anything good could come from, and if we could reach those people, if God could restore them, if he could redeem them, then he could do anything, anywhere, at any time. That the very things that other people said would disqualify us, qualify us as a church to be an unstoppable church. Can I get a good amen? amen. In our life, when you're experiencing obstacles, when you're experiencing difficulties, those obstacles are not meant to stop you. God wants your imaginative DNA to begin to creep up inside of your life, and he wants you to begin to see how there's a way around it. You can maybe sometimes go up over it. You maybe go around it. You maybe go under it. Sometimes you circle it like they did in Jericho and just kept on walking around till it fell down. I don't know. God's got a lot of interesting plans. But your imagination has to get unlimited. We begin to limit ourselves when we say, hey, there's no way. 
What I see is more important than what I believe. What I see is more real than what God is depositing in me. So what we have to do is we have to begin to tap in to our God-given imagination. And that will allow us to see by faith the thing that's coming. And I believe it that God's given you obstacles in order for you to learn how to solve them. And once you begin to learn how to solve them, everything shifts. The link between the obstacle and the solution is God's creative imagination in your life. God's given you imagination to help you solve those obstacles. He's given you more imagination than you know. And, and so here's what I, I want to say it like this. Hard places equals creative people. If you're in a hard place, if you're facing a difficulty, if you're facing something that you can't get through, what God wants to begin to deposit in you is some creativity. He wants to deposit in you some imagination. So creativity is our God-given DNA. All right, so it says like this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning what? Everybody together, in the beginning, God created. The very first thing we learn in the Bible is that God is a creator God. That it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, about mankind, he said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's a distinction between male and female. Don't anybody get it twisted? There is a God-designed image that he implants on your heart and in your life. And in his image, we've been created. There's gender distinctions. But inside of that, the DNA that's in everybody is that he is a creator God. That he put some creative capacity in your life in that he's given you obstacles so that you can exercise that creative impulse and overcome. So when we live in a world that's pragmatic and concrete and defined and everybody says it can't be done, you're a dreamer, you're crazy. That's exactly what God wants to bring on the scene in the Northeast right now. That this is a prophetic ushering forth. This church stands as a testament of the things to come. That actually God is birthing something in Two Rivers Church that's gonna multiply and multiply and multiply all over the Northeast. In every place they say that it can't be done, that's the place that we're going to be attracted to. That's the place like magnets we're going to go to it because God's put in us some creative imagination that allows us to overcome. Now here's what I want us to get to in, in our last little bit of time together. If we're going to have creative imagination, number one, we need to discipline our imaginations. We need to discipline our imagination. One of the things that happens is you and I, our imaginations can run amok. That actually God gave us creative capacity, but that can be used for good or for evil. And when, when our imaginations begin to gravitate toward the negative, it's a powerful force that can begin to direct our behavior. If, if the only pictures that you're seeing, that you're imagining, are negative, you need to get control 
of your imagination life. You need to take a hold of it. It says it like this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That actually, I go take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. We go through these questions because of our imagination, like what might happen? What might not work out? Those thoughts need to be harnessed because anxiety is imagination gone wrong. We need to harness those thoughts. When you start to get spun up and you start to get those feelings of anxiety, these thoughts begin to spin out of control. The Bible says to harness it. So what we got to do before we get to that spot, I've got to establish a mental discipline that my, I am disciplining my imagination and I'm going to set good things before me. If I've set in my imagination all kinds of negative things, what is going to happen? The Bible says, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. As a man sows, so shall he reap. Prayer is a version of disciplining my mind to believe the truth of God's word and usher it forth. It's an imagination of God's creative impulses that I began to usher, that I began to usher forth the kingdom of God in my prayer life. So when, when we have negative imaginations, we got to take those things captive. They're going to steal our joy. They're going to steal our resolve. They're going to they're going to cause us to be paralyzed in fear. We discipline our imagination. It says it like this in Philippians chapter four verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That my mind is not allowed to run amok. But if I want to harness the power of God's imagination in my life, then I'm going to not allow it to take me down the wrong road. I'm going to allow it, those things of heaven to begin to germinate in me. Those seeds begin to get planted in me. And what's going to overflow out of me is creative imagination. The DNA of the creator is in you. The spirit of the living God, he who raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you. He's going to quicken your mortal bodies. So you have power in the way that you think. You begin to harness that imagination for God. You have this, it's in you by the presence of the Father. It's an identity that comes on your life from the Creator. I am creative. Number two, develop your imagination. Develop your imagination. I used to say, I'm not creative. I went to art class. All the other kids are making these amazing art things. I said, oh, this is terrible. I'm just not artistic, y'all. But I am creative. The spark of the creator is in me. I'm just not creative in that way. I could probably learn. That's what I'm trying to say is we got to unlimit. I'm going to begin to develop it. I'm going to begin. I could go and I could learn and I could put myself to the task. And just like I could be, develop my artistic capacity, you can develop your creative capacity in every area of your life. So what I discovered is I was limiting God. I limited what God wanted to do through my life creatively 
because I was saying I am not creative. I was confessing over my life a lid. I now say I have creativity. you got to change the way you think. And it's important to give time. If we're going to develop this in our life, it's important to give God time to spark creativity in you. So stop saying you're not creative. Let that creative spark foster something. There's an obstacle that you're designed by God that only you can unlock it. There's something that only you, through the Father's imagination, can birth into this world. And God wants you to usher in what does not yet exist. That's the mission of transformation. That's us saying we're going to go to the broken cities and we're going to rebuild them. How's that going to happen? How are we going to get the money for that? How are we going to get the people for that? How are we going to get the connections for that? And what we could do is we could ruminate on all of the problems rather than saying, hey, I'm going to need some money for that. Now maybe God's going to begin to give me a creative impulse that if I use my imagination in the right way, I'm going to begin to see an opportunity. Because obstacles are opportunities for imagination. So in your life, when you're facing these moments where you're saying, I've got a financial burden, what we begin to do is we start to say, okay, God, give me the creativity for how to make more money. Give me the creativity. There must be an opportunity somewhere. Maybe I need more imagination for how to budget. Maybe I need more imagination for who to call or who to talk to. Maybe how to network. I need some more imagination in my life to solve this financial problem. Maybe it's a relational problem. You don't know how to solve that thing with your mom or your dad. You don't know how to work that out with your spouse. You need to have some creative impulses that i got to try something that's never been done. i got to do some things that others don't know how to do if I'm going to see a result that no one else has ever seen. When you're bored, you got to say, okay, I'm going to let my imagination, and then what happens is God begins to download his solution. So one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to give space for that to take place in our lives. Every invention that's successful is something that solves an issue that at one time was an obstacle. It, what happened was that imagination bridged the gap. So your creative impulse is going to make you better at work. It's the DNA of the creator in you. So what I say is keep an inspiration notebook. Just keep a notebook. What happens is I go to prayer, all the 21 days of prayer, several of the mornings while we've been in prayer, I'm praying about something, and then all of a sudden God starts birthing something in my spirit. My imagination starts getting sparked, and I go ahead and I just start writing it down. God's giving me instructions. God's giving me this thing that I'm willing to dream with God. I'm willing to look at the problems that are around me and I'm willing to say, okay, God, the, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to bring good news, that there's going to be a transformation that's going to come through my life, that's begin to see people set up as oaks of righteousness. And because of that, somehow I'm going to get you from here to here. 
that as the sheep in the, in the Two Rivers Church, we're going to get you into a place of restoration. We're going to get you. How, God? How are we going to do that? And so I just get the spark of imagination in me, and I start downloading it. I write it down. And, and, and immediately do it. When you get spark, you be 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll be laying in bed. I'll wake up. I will get that. I got a little app on my phone. It's called Evernote. I put, pull that little bad boy out, and I start writing it all down. Whenever that spark hits, you write it down. And, and what will happen is God is going to develop imagination in you. It's his DNA. It's the language of God expressed in our life. So you run into financial problems. What you now have to do, number three, is apply your imagination. We're going to unlock the Northeast. God has created you. He's fashioned you as a mighty warrior for such a time as this. You've got destiny on your life. You have purpose on your life for such a time as this. You live in a place that's called the Rust Belt. Some people hear that and they say, it's time to run south. It's time to go somewhere else. When I hear that, I say, it's time to let the Spirit of God begin to hover on my life. That there's something that God wants to rebirth out of me. That I believe it is on your life too. That God wants to settle something on you. He wants to birth something out of you. And, and for such a time as this, all of your failures are going to be redeemed for this place in this time. When you're faithful now, you just do the thing that God shows you, the creative impulse. I'm going to do that thing now. Everybody else said it couldn't be done, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Everybody else said that it's not going to work. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to take the thing that God put in my spirit, and I'm going to release it to the world around me. They said we couldn't plant churches in the last 10 years Two Rivers Church is planted nine different times, y'all, out of Binghamton, New York. We've seen over 3,000 people come to Jesus in a place that they said it can't be done. That the Spirit of God, once God wants to do something in our lives, it begins to multiply out of us. And even as I'm solving today's problems, as the imagination begins to spark in your life, that God's going to teach you something that you're going to solve in tomorrow's problems. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith serve them? That actually, we kind of just move past the dream. We have to move past the imagination, and we have to apply it. we got to go from what God birthed into me to an action step. Here in a couple moments, we're going to respond at every location. And you're going to have the opportunity to say, God, what are you saying to me? And then you're going to write it down. What am I going to do about it? That's an applied, I'm going to get God birthing something in my life, and then I'm going to release it. James 2, 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Imagination is not worth a plug nickel until you birth it into something. But God has this creative impulse in your life, not so that you could run around with your head in the clouds. He put a creative impulse in your life because there's destiny on you. God's solution to what others cannot do is in your DNA. When you're creative, you can be in hard places. 
Most people are saying there's no opportunity, and then they move on. Not so you. You've got the creator in you. You're going to find that your DNA is creativity. You're going to see that there's opportunity when others see obstacles. The DNA of the creator is in you. And what happens in the Northeast, the whole Northeast is waiting for you, believer. There's something on your life, a business, a book, a connection, a relationship, something that God wants to birth out of your life. You're God's solution to what others cannot do. That we're going to rebuild the broken places, but God's going to change us so much that what, what we do is actually change everything around us. If you're going to do that, you got to cultivate your imagination. What others say it can't be done God's saying it can. I put something in you. I put a, a spirit in you. I put some, something in you that's creative. It's my impulse. When there was nothing, God spoke and everything came into existence. You, you cultivate this in your life. Your identity is an overcomer. Your identity is ordained by your spiritual DNA that God the Father has deposited into your spirit something that has to multiply. God the Father has deposited something in you that's going to change the world around you. If you'll cultivate your imagine, if you'll cultivate your imagination and let God birth a bigger dream in you, God will deposit in you the sight of what's to come. And then he'll equip you to do it. I want us to dream again. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray it now that our imaginations would get turned on that all the vain imaginations would be torn down. All the things that have captured our hearts, our minds, would be disciplined for you. That we're not going to be distracted anymore. We're not going to be delayed anymore. We're not going to have in our spirit the old flesh, the old way. But what's being birthed in us is purpose. What's being birthed in us is mission. What's being birthed in us is restoration. That God, you're going to give us a sight to see the community around us changed. You're going to give us sight to see how our relationships are going to be healed. You're going to give us sight to see that you're going to birth in us something that's better and greater and bigger than anything we could ever do on our own. God, I pray that you begin to deposit that in every spirit, in every life. We're going to be world changers together. In Jesus' name, amen.